Today's reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 8 through 14. My Father is glorified when you produce much fruit, and in this way prove that you are my disciples. As the Father loved me, I too have loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy will be in you and your joy will be complete. This is my commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. No one has greater love than to give up one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Well, good morning, church. My name is Mark Montgomery. I'm one of the pastors here. And, uh, you know, I just, I wonder, what would you do if you knew that tonight was your last night on earth? What would you do? I know what I would do. I would spend it with the people I love the most in this world. It got me thinking, what would I say to those people? What would I say to the people that I love the most in this world as I spend time with them on my final night because I know tomorrow I would be here no more? What would I say What would I do? Who would I spend it with? You know, Jesus faced this same question. And so on the night before he gave himself up for us and died on a cross, he spent that night with his disciples, the people that he loved most in this world, his very best friends. In fact, the Gospel of John spends 25% of the entire Gospel on his farewell speech on that final night before he gave himself up for us. And here's what that says. It was very important what he had to say. It holds a lot of weight, not only for them, but for us as the church. Because he was spending it with the people he loved most in this world. And you know, I, I think about what I would do, and I think about my two-and-a-half-year-old son and my wife, and particularly my wife Melissa, but particularly my son Liam, and what I would do and what I would say. And, and I think about what Jesus said to his disciples. So it was five chapters in, in John 13 through 17. And in, in John 13, about verse, I think, 31 or 32, he says to the disciples, my little children. He refers to them as my little children. And so I think about the relationship that I have with my son. And, and in light of this farewell discourse, as it's called, and what I would say to him. But here's the thing on that night. Jesus doesn't start off with a speech. He starts off with action, right? He starts off by getting low and humbling himself and and washing the feet of the disciples. And then they have dinner together. Now, I don't have disciples. I have a a two-and-a-half-year-old son, so I'd probably reverse the order, right? I I would eat before we took a bath, right? So we'd probably have dinner together because I would want to share in a meal, a final meal with my son. And I'd, I'd bathe him because it's what we do. And I'd want to serve him. I wouldn't love him. And I, want, I would want him to know how much I care for him. And it would be a very normal uh, opportunity for me to just uh, share my, my love for him. So I would do, I would start off with action. And then I'd talk to him. You know, Jesus starts off his speech with a new command in John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. It's actually on the screen. And he says to them, Love each other just as I have loved you, so you also must love each other. Will you read 35 with me? This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples 
when you love each other. You know, the, he, if I were to tell Liam, even though he's two and a half, and maybe he'd be a little older, but if I were to tell Liam, Liam, as I'm going from this place, here's the thing that I want you to do. I want you to love your family and your closest friends well. Right? I want you to love your mom and your 12 cousins and your grandmas and grandpas and your closest friends. Son, I want you to love them well. Do you know what he would do? He would grow up and he would love the people around him the same way the world does. He would love them good enough. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, just as I have loved you, so you must love each other. Love one another. So if I were to say to Liam, love each other well, that's one thing. But if I were to say to Liam, Liam, I want you to love the people that are closest to you in this world the way that I love you, that'd be different. Take on a whole new meaning, would you agree? Because the love between a parent and a child is sacrificial. It is self-sacrificing. And here's the thing about Liam. My wife, Melissa, and I, we, we are in agreement. You know, sometimes marriage... You don't agree on everything, but we agree on on a whole heck of a lot. And there's one thing in particular that we definitely agree on is that the most important human in this world to us is our son. And we would give our lives for his well-being. That's the kind of love that we have for a child. And so when Jesus says to his disciples, my little children, he's helping us to understand that the love he has for us and the way that we then should now love other disciples, other followers of Jesus is the same way a parent would love a child. It's self-sacrificing. Now, it's not that we would, we would allow for the people around us to learn and to grow, but we would do everything that we can for their well-being. And you know, I think about the love that I have for my, my son. And if you have a child, you'll know that they can mess up a whole heck of a lot. Would you agree? And even in their mess-ups, they bring joy to you. When you love him in this self-sacrificing way. Because here's the thing I know about Liam. I know every part of him. He's only two and a half years old and he hasn't figured out how to hide from me. How to, you know what I mean? Like, I know that if he's mad, I could tell it. In fact, he'll tell me. I, what's amazing about the relationship between a parent and a child is when you have that sort of self-sacrificing love and you know them, you know everything about them. And the thing about what's difficult for us As a church and in our modern day context, we have so many walls that we're really good at hiding from each other. And what Jesus is saying about this love is that when you know each other so well, you're going to love each other and you're going to find joy no matter what. And so I think about Liam and I think about the joy I have for him. and And I was coming up with an example of this, but he gave me one this morning. So I didn't have to make it up. I'm literally, even in his mess ups, I find him hilariously funny. So I'm leaving and he says, Daddy, Daddy, I drew you a picture of a tractor. I said, oh, show me. And he takes me over to the wall and he'd shown me where he'd drawn a tractor all over the wall. And here's the thing, I, I had to stop from laughing, right? And uh, because I can fix the wall, it's not a big deal. He's two and a half, he'll figure it out. Uh, but the thing is, even when they mess up, it's hilarious. And I think about how God looks at me. And I think about in my mess ups that even though I, I, I need uh, accountability, I need challenge, that God still finds joy in me because he loves me for who I am. You know, my wife, Melissa, and I, we, we took Liam down to Fredericksburg, and we, and we like to go down to downtown Fredericksburg, and we came across this church, St. George's Episcopal. It's across from Foodie, where the old bank used to be. 
And we love going in there. It's open all the time. And so you can go in there for prayer. And we like to, and just to look around, it's a very ornate, very beautiful church. In fact, you can see in the pews, uh, the little extra piece on the pew, those are actually doors. So it's a very historical church. So back in the day, they didn't pass the plates. They didn't pass the baskets. You'd pay for your pew. You'd rent a pew every month, and that's how you supported the work of the church. You'd pay for your pew. Uh, so we've stopped doing that. But if you see doors on your pews, just know, uh, you know, I'm just kidding. So we love to go in there, and, and Liam was uh, playing in a pew, and Melissa and I were up front. <clears throat> and the thing you need to know about Liam is we've allowed him to keep, he's two and a half, but we've allowed him to keep like three baby words because they're adorable. And there's one in particular that we just, Melissa and I, can't ever let go of. And it's this word, doodah. So it means church. So I have to explain it. So anyway, he's uh, about one. And during that time, he loved this song. We used to play the song, Good, Good Father by Chris Tomlin. And uh, so it goes like this. Uh, You're a good, good father. It's who you are, who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I, Rob, you were such a better singer than me, man. Come on. Much better. I've got a cold. Got a cold, church. That's what this is. And so anyway, he would sing it, and Liam, adorable, when he started talking, you know what he would say? He would hear that song and say, do-da, do-da. And so Alan Paquette, our contemporary worship leader, apparently was fascinated with this song during uh, kind of this period. And so he, every time he'd come to church, Liam would hear this song. And so he would start saying, Mommy, Daddy, can we go to Duda? Can we go to Duda? So we're in Duda. And he's sitting in a pew, and Melissa and I are up front. And I'll just say we're praying or something. But we were up front in, in this area, and we were kind of letting him loose a little bit. Nobody else was in there. And he goes, Mommy, Daddy, Mommy. Daddy. Now, when he says it twice, we know he's really serious. And he says, this is a pretty doodah. <laughs> I mean, doesn't that just melt your heart? Doesn't that just bring you joy to hear that? And so fast forward to that Sunday, Melissa brings him up to church. He's in the van, and they drive up to Ebenezer, and he goes, Mommy, this isn't pretty doodah. This is, this is daddy's doodah. <laughs> yeah. So apparently this is daddy's doodah. Yeah, I shouldn't have told that story. But here's the thing. If you ever get mad at Liam, if you're like upset that he said this isn't pretty doodah, remember he is too. That's on you, all right? So Jesus says to his, his disciples in chapter 15, verse 11, he says, I've said these things to you so that my joy will be in you. And read this part with me. And your joy will be complete. You know what he's saying is, I love you so much. And I get a kick even when you mess up. Like, it's hilarious. And so what I want you to do is I want you to love each other the way a parent loves a child, the way that I love you. Because when you do that, here's what's going to happen. You're going to start seeing each other different. Your heart's going to be positioned different. And you're going to find joy out of loving in a self-sacrificial way the people around you. Because I want my joy to be in you And I want your joy to be complete. So when we talk about finding joy and peace in the church, friends, it's going to come through loving the people around us the way that Jesus Christ loves us. And Jesus takes it up a step further. He says in 1513 to really describe what this love is all about. He says, no one has greater love than to give up one's life 
for one's friends. Now, today we're celebrating Veterans Day. And kind of the thing that you sign up for when you're going into the military is you are willing to give your life for people you don't even know. People you may not even like. But you're willing. And so I just want to, I just want to personally be able to say thank you. Because I know that the people in this room who have served, who are veterans, you've wrestled, you've sacrificed, you've given of yourself and of your time and of your family in ways that some of us could never imagine. And so I just want to say this. I could preach a sermon about sacrificial love all day long, but veterans, you've lived it. So by your life, you provide that example. You're a living sermon testimony to what sacrificial love is. And so I just want to say thank you for your service, but also thank you for your example of what it means to live and to love sacrificially. Because sacrifice costs something. Would you agree? I mean, I'm in a church surrounded by veterans. Would you agree that sacrifice, like sacrificial love costs something? Amen? I don't feel like y'all were loud enough, but we'll go with it. So Jesus knew that, that this love, this this love was sacrificial. And he knew it because it's cost him something. The beginning of John says that, uh, and the word was with God and all things came in through existence through the word. And so what that means is that Jesus knew the, the cost of creation and created anyway. It would cost him something. When Jesus took on flesh and became a baby in a manger, he was vulnerable. But more than that, the thing that I think I, I try to wrap my mind around is that the, the living Word of God, when He humbled Himself as a baby, took on flesh for all of eternity. It cost Him something. When Jesus calls us out of darkness into the light to follow Him, we're a part of His salvation work. And so instead of doing it all by Himself, which He probably could do better than we could do, He was willing to do it through us, imperfect people. It cost Him something. When he got low and he washed the feet of his disciples and, and modeled for them servant leadership, it cost him something. At the cross, it cost him something. So here's my point. Sacrificial love costs us something. And so what Jesus is saying about this love isn't new. In fact, the word for it in the Greek, <clears throat> I apologize, is agape. It means self-sacrificing love. And so he was talking to his disciples who were Jewish men. They would have known what he meant. But here's the thing. I think we know what self-sacrificial love means here. But many of us never get what it means here, at least not outside of our family. And here's the thing. This love that Jesus is calling us to have for each other, it can be hard to love our family that way sometimes. Would you agree? I mean, sometimes I'm a pretty big knucklehead, and I don't know how my wife can love me in a self-sacrificing way at times. But she does. And and what Jesus calls us to do is not just love our family, but to love other people who claim Jesus Christ as their Savior the way that He loves us, the way a parent loves a child, self-sacrificially, willing to give our lives. And so here's the thing I know about that. We can't do it on our own, and we try to all the time, and we fail every time because we have to be grounded in the love of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus says in chapter 14, he said, look, here's the thing. I'm, I'm going to go away and I'm going to pre- prepare a place for you. But when I go, I'm going to give you this gift. And this is going to knock your socks off because it is 
the Holy Spirit is going to dwell in you. And do you know what's inside the Holy Spirit? This love between a father and a son that has existed since the beginning of time. It is the greatest love you'll ever know. It's going to dwell within you if you remain in my love. That's how you're going to love each other, the way that I love you. Because even though you won't see me, I'm going to be with you. And that's the promise he gives. And so the love we have for one another must be grounded in our faith in Christ. Has to be. Because then the Spirit of God that contains the oldest and greatest love will dwell within us. And then Jesus closes with a farewell speech, right? And he prays this high priestly prayer in chapter 17. And first he prays for the disciples. And he he says, Father, I pray that you protect them. But then in 1721, he transitions and he prays for the people in the world who would come to Christ, who would be transformed by the message of the disciples. And he prays this prayer. And if you're a veteran and you've served in the military, you understand that Jesus is praying the strategic mission for the disciples. And so he says, Father, I pray that all of them may be two, multiple. No, that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. You read this part with me. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. See what Jesus is saying is, the fruit of loving each other the way that Jesus Christ loves us, the way that we're able to tell if we're able to do that, if we're doing it effectively, is our unity, is, is our oneness together. And so he's saying, Father, I just pray that they would be one as we are one, and this is the strategic mission of the church, right? It's through our unity that the world will be changed, that the world would know. And so our oneness is absolutely crucial to the mission. It's the way to tell if we're loving each other and remaining in the love of Jesus Christ. And you know it's true because it worked, right? So in the early... The earliest centuries of the church, do you know what happened uh, when persecution got tough? <clears throat> the love for one another, Christian unity, was the hallmark of the early church. In fact, Tertullian, one of the earliest defenders of the faith, he would write these reports and he would write these letters when Rome was starting to crank up persecution. And one of the things he wrote, he said, even, he wrote a report of the pagans and he said, even the pagans said of Christians, see, they say, how they love one another, how they're ready even to die for one another. Unity worked. And as you look back throughout history, the church isn't always effective. And you know why? I have this belief that throughout history, when the church isn't effective, it's because they're not unified. It's because they're divided. It's because they don't love each other the way that Jesus Christ loves us. And so I am convinced by the farewell discourse that what Jesus is saying, and, and I agree with this, that the single greatest form of Christian witness is the way that the people within the church love each other as Jesus loves us. Because here's the thing, you see these commercials of people doing good things all the time for people they don't even know. That's like a thing now. It's not anything new. Christians don't have the corner market on it. But you know what we do have and we will always have is deep-rooted community and being willing to love each other, be vulnerable with each other, care for one another, walk with each other with people we don't even know, we may not even like, but we're going to love each other 
Because we see one another the way that Jesus Christ sees us. We love each other the way that Jesus Christ loves us because the Spirit of God dwells within us, richly among us. And and here's the thing, that community that we lack when the walls come down and we're vulnerable with each other, in our technological age when we're so disconnected, even though we seem connected, it is like an oasis in a desert of disunity. You see, unity and love defines a disciple It defines the church. But we have to be careful because here's the thing I see on Facebook, on social media. Pardon me. Man, I see pastors slamming other pastors on Facebook all the time. And I'm not kidding. Like, because I'm a pastor, I have all these pastor friends on Facebook. And I will see some of the things that come through their newsfeed. And I'm like, are you kidding me? No, even slam other Christians just to prove a point, to be right. Can I ask you a question? Do you think that that promotes uh, Christian unity in the church or outside? Do you think that it says, hey, everybody, we're united? No way. Friends, it is absolutely crucial that we love each other the way that Jesus Christ loves us and that we are unified in the way that we are the church. To be in community is to understand more than we want to be understood. It's to be interested in listening more than we're interested in responding. So when it gets hard to do that, because it can get hard to love each other the way Jesus loves us. Amen? I feel like y'all need to be loud. Amen? Right? Because it can be difficult to do that. And so here's what I would say. Go back to the beginning. Go back to the beginning when Jesus got low and washed their feet. Serve one another. If we are missing true Christ-like love in our community, if we don't feel like it's in there, sometimes we just gotta, we gotta practice it until we feel it. Right? We gotta be able to serve each other the way that Jesus served us. But when we do that, can I tell you, we have to be willing to respond because here's the thing, people will come to faith, they'll read scripture, and they'll see this part about Christian unity, and they're like, man, this is great, I can't wait to be a part of a church. They love each other so well. And they'll share their vulnerability with other Christians in the church. And they'll share this their greatest, deepest struggle and hardship. Maybe it's uh, addiction or alcohol abuse. Maybe it's infidelity. I don't know. Maybe it's some great hardship that they're struggling with. And do you know what they'll do? They'll share that with other Christians. And do you know what they hear? I'll pray for you. And then it's never brought up again. Now, here's the thing about that phrase. I, I love, I say it all the time. I pray for people, and I do, and I, and I mean it. But I, my sense is, as a Christian, sometimes we can use that phrase as a pole, as a 10-foot pole to keep people at distance. And so here's what I would say. If the love that we have for each other should be the way that Jesus loves us, should be like a, a parent to a child, can I tell you, if Liam were to come to me and say, Dad, I am struggling with this really big hardship, and I don't know what to do, You know what I would do? I would say, Liam, I'm going to pray for you. But here's the other thing. I'm going to walk with you, son. I'm going to be with you every step of the way. I'm not going to enable you. I'm going to give you the distance you need. But I'm also going to make sure that you don't feel alone because you won't be alone. Friends, that's what it means to serve each other and to love each other the way that Jesus Christ loves us. If we're going to be effective as a church, we need to give of ourselves real sacrificial love to other Christians. We've got to be willing to serve each other. Here's the thing, I've been talking about this all morning. My voice is going bad, so I'm going to quit talking. And I want to invite 
Uh, can I get a volunteer? I just want to demonstrate this. I'm serious. Can I get one volunteer? Just sitting? Come on up, Amy. <clears throat> so Amy's going to come up because I need a volunteer. So we talk about foot washing in the church. I just need you all to see it. Come on. You're good. You're good. <clears throat> You're good. Your husband's right there. He's observing everything. It's fine. Have a seat. <clears throat> so before you take your shoes off, I just want to talk about this for a second. And here, I'll warm up the water for you. There you go. Yeah, you know it's real, right? So here's the thing that I want to ask. You feel awkward, right? Yeah, hey, me too. <laughs> this is great. But thanks for shooting up your hands so quick. That was perfect. You, you know, can I ask you a question? Who do you think feels more awkward right now? Me, the person who's going to serve, or Amy? Yeah, because I'm sitting from a place of strength because I'm helping, and she's sitting from a place of vulnerability and weakness, and we're going to see your feet. It's going to be weird. So here's the good news, Amy. I'm not actually going to wash your feet, so thank you. You may go sit down. But Amy, remember your baptism. Oh, that was great. That was fantastic. Can I get another volunteer? No, I'm just kidding. You know, the thing about it, the thing about it is there's got to be a warning to the way that we serve and live in community, Right? can't always be about us can't always be about us serving from a place of strength you know what peter says when jesus is washing the feet he says jesus you're never going to wash my feet and jesus says well if i don't wash your feet you're not going to have any part of me and peter says did i say that because you see what i meant was i want you to wash my feet and my hands and my head you see one of the biggest issues we have is that we keep our walls up and we're not willing to be vulnerable with people. And here's the thing, if we're never willing to be vulnerable, if we're never willing to allow other Christians to sacrifice and to serve us, then we'll never take it, our knowledge, to our heart. We'll never understand what self-sacrificial love means because we've never experienced it. And so we have to be willing to let others serve us. Because here's the thing, if we don't do that, we'll never get past the superficial Because we will always believe that no one else in this world can meet our deepest need. Jesus. Jesus says, I want you to love each other just as I have loved you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. He says, no one has greater love than this than to give up one's life for a friend. And here's the thing, you can't do it on your own. So I'm going to give you my spirit. And the spirit contains the love between a father and the son. The oldest and greatest love that's ever existed is going to dwell within you. And so as you go, I just want to pray for you, he says. I pray that the father would protect you, but more importantly, that the world would see your unity, that you would be one. So that through your unity, the world would be changed and know that the father sent me. But it all starts. We, we can't do any of this if we don't understand that Jesus Christ loves us. The love of Christ isn't in our heart. We must remain in the love of Jesus Christ and be willing to love each other the way he loves us. Because without him, we can do nothing. Jesus puts it like this. I am the vine. You are the branches. Remain in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So I give you a command. Love each other.